Well, good morning. It is wonderful to have you all here this morning with me. Please join me in the red hymnal as we'll sing number 549, which is the doxology. Number his hymn number 680. I am happy when someone says, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet used to stand in Jerusalem's gate. Jerusalem was built to be joined to a temple where the tribes go, could go up in the, the tribes of the Lord. It is Israel's witness to confess the Lord's name. There sit the thrones of judgment, the seat of the house of David. Ask for the peace of Jerusalem. May your friends have rest. May your workers prosper. May your courts enjoy peace. For the sake of my brother, my friend, let me say peace for you. For the sake of the Lord, my God's house, I will seek your good welfare. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 409, I Will Sing the Wondrous Story. 409, I Will Sing the Wondrous Story. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. 
Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have given us this wonderful opportunity to come here and worship you within this institution. God, we do not take this privilege for granted. And Lord, we just are so thankful for our fellow veterans, servicemen and women that we have served with in peace and war that have provided us this opportunity for us to freely exercise our faith here this morning. And we do not take that, Lord, in vain, and we are so thankful for those sacrifices that have been made. And God, as we come before you with the needs and requests that we have in our lives, Lord, we not only think of our needs, but we think of the needs of others, of family members, of friends, of patients throughout this medical center, of the staff that is working here today, of the family members that will be visiting. Lord, we lift them all up to you, because God, you remind us again and again that we are to pray to you about all things. And Lord, in that expression of worship this morning, we are doing that collectively as a body of believers in your Son, Jesus Christ, and we're also doing that individually. Because Lord, you know what's going on in our lives, you know the challenges that we are facing, the difficulties that we are trying to overcome. And God, it seems at times that even though we try so hard to do the right thing, that many times it's not the result that we foresaw and it's not the result that we wanted. But Lord, we know that we need to trust in your will in all things and that you work through those circumstances, that you work through the efforts that we make to try to do the right thing in our lives. And God, we are once again so grateful that you are here present with us as a testimony to the fact that we love you and that we want to serve you. And we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 416, I Was Sinking Deep in Sin. Number 416, I Was Sinking Deep in Sin. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. 
Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, beginning with verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, Lord, it has been such a great time that we've had to worship this morning with family and friends. And Lord, when we come to worship together, we support each other because we are recognizing the need that we have to have in our relationship with you and that worship is a part of that need. And God, I would ask that you would help me say those things, that we continue that act of worship, and that it would meet the needs that we need to have in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I don't know how your week has been going, but my week has been a kind of an interesting one, because in one of my, I'll say, occupations, not here at the VA, let me make that perfectly clear, but I got into a little trouble, Okay. And yes, I am capable of getting in trouble. And yes, I get in trouble with the leadership from time to time. But hey, when you lead from the front, you're going to get into trouble, right? And so what was interesting about the trouble that I got into is I did something without fully getting the permission that I was required to have. Has anyone ever done that when you went ahead because you thought it was the right thing to do and you didn't have the full, complete permission of those that are in authority over you and then all of a sudden when you realize that you made a mistake, you kind of got to deal with that. And you go through this, I've gone through this series of motions where, you know, I should have known better, I'm mad at myself, if you understand that kind of process that you experience. So I've been kind of living through that the last week or so, and my emotions have been going up and down, and sometimes I'm okay with it, I'm at peace, other times I feel feel very depressed about it, and I feel angry about the circumstances. And so I've been kind of putting that in perspective in terms of what I could share with you this morning about our portion of Scripture, specifically dealing with how we should handle our circumstances. The Scriptures tell us again and again that when we face difficult situations, but not only then, when we are going through the daily routine of life and we come across encounters in which we may be responsible and we may not be responsible for some of the circumstances and things that we find ourselves in, there's an overreaching direction that God provides for us. And in the gospel, it's very specific of the fact that we are to exercise love to one another. And so I've been trying to put that in context because as I've been thinking about my response to the circumstances that I created, and I want to make it very clear that I own it, and as we say in the military, no excuses, right? I mean, you're familiar with that. So I own it, I have no excuses, but that doesn't mean that I've been going through those challenges about my decision-making process and how others have responded to me. In fact, the other evening I was reading a portion of Scripture where it specifically talks about anger and to not let your anger, in other words, the sun, right? Not to let the sun go down on your anger. And in that portion of Scripture, God tells us very specifically that if you are angry, you cannot exhibit the righteousness that God wants you to have in your life. And it spoke to my heart, not only to the anger perhaps to others, but also the anger of myself, I think a lot of times we don't examine it in that, that way. Do you ever get mad at yourself? Do you ever get angry at yourself? Do you ever just get frustrated with yourself because you do something really stupid? You know, that portion of Scripture applies to me and applies to you as well. But many times we go to bed angry at ourselves because of the circumstances that we find ourselves within our own individual lives. And God tells us very specifically that we should never, never, ever 
let the sun set on our anger. Because when we are angry, we can really not truly experience the righteousness that God has for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And if we are not making the attempt to exhibit the righteousness that God wants us to have, in no way will we ever truly follow the commandment that has been given to us here this morning about us loving each other. Because how can you do that? If you're angry about yourself, if you're angry about your circumstances, if you're angry with people that are around you in your life, how can you ever exhibit love to anyone? Even the people that you truly love. Because what's going to happen is, as you are living through your anger, you're going to be holding back the unconditional, complete love that God wants you to show, not only to the people that you love, but to everyone. Does that make sense? Because when we are angry, when we are trying to figure out our own issues, we are not capable of loving unconditionally the way that God wants us to love. Because there will always be that emotional incompleteness because we're always going to be holding something back. We're always going to be holding something in reserve because that anger in our lives is a distraction for the way that we truly need to be able to love one another. And if we really want the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be exhibited in our lives, we need to be able to present that love to one another unconditionally in such a way that we are honest about ourselves and when we do that, we are honest with those that are around us. That doesn't mean that we have perfection. We're always going to be incomplete. We'll never reach that goal of perfection that God wants us to strive for. But it doesn't mean that we stop trying. It doesn't mean that we give up on ourselves. It doesn't mean that we give up on others. Because we want to go through each day in our lives with the premise, with the truth, with the understanding that we are going to do our best today to love one another. But it all begins what happens the night before when we put our thoughts to rest for the day, for the evening, we put our heads on that pillow, and are you still angry? Are you still angry with yourself? Are you still angry with the circumstances that you find yourself in? Are you still angry with others that are in your life? If you cannot settle that issue, then you will not be able to experience the love that God wants you to have because your life will still be exhibiting some form of unrighteousness. Think about that. And as we look to the gospel, as we look to the gospel for leadership in our lives, because I think all of us want to be leaders, all of us have the potential to be leaders within whatever family we're in, whatever community we're in, whatever workplace we're in, whatever school we might be in, we all want to be leaders and we all have the potential to be leaders. And one of the best ways that I can tell you to exhibit that leadership that you want to have, that you would have the potential, is to exhibit that love that God wants you to have. I can't think of no greater leader that I would ever follow than someone that truly had compassion and love for the people that they were leading. It doesn't mean that they were not strict. It doesn't mean that there wasn't discipline. It doesn't mean that there wasn't some form of obedience. It doesn't mean that there was not any loyalty. It doesn't mean that everybody was always singing kumbaya about everything that was going on. But I know the leaders that I have served with in the military, the best ones that I have served with, are those that I believed were exhibiting the compassion that they needed to show in their role as being a leader. It doesn't mean that there was no discipline. It doesn't mean that they did not 
discipline other people. doesn't mean that they were not strict. But yet they did so with a compassionate and a loving hand. Does anybody else know leaders like that that you've served with, that they truly were just good people because they were doing the best that they possibly could? I was watching something the other day. Does anybody watch a TED Talk? Everybody look at TED Talks? I was watching a TED Talk the other day, and this, this executive, this CEO, was talking about how to lead without ego. How to be a leader without ego. And it was really interesting about how he was talking about how important that was when you are a leader to lead without your own personal ego up front. And he demonstrated within his own life how he was able to lead in various circumstances, in other words, doing the things that everyone else was doing, doing the things that the employees that were part of his corporation was doing. And as he did those things, as he was willing to work with them, as he was willing to see what they were doing, as he was willing to see what their perspective was in terms of how they saw the organization, he was able to lead in such a way that there was tremendous improvement in everything that he was doing within that corporate corporation that he was leading. doesn't mean any, everything was perfect, but I think it's a way in which when we look at our lives, we look at the gospel of leadership and we see by example how Christ led without ego. Think about that. Have you ever thought about that? That Jesus Christ in terms of his story that has been revealed to us through the scriptures, he led without ego. He led without ego. And because of that, he was able to transform his followers, and eventually that whole process of the church of Jesus Christ that began to follow him after his death, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension has truly transformed this world because it was led by the Son of God, and it was led through his example of not having an ego in terms of what he was trying to do. And it is a model that we are to follow. If you and I claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, then the model that we are to follow is one of love. And I'd like to tell you that I could give it to you in a sugar-coated fashion, and that love would be easy, and that love would not have any problems, and that love will just transform your life, and love, 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 love. Well, that's nice, but that's not reality. Love is something very difficult for us to do, because we always get in the way of that love that God wants us to have. And it is impossible to totally, objectively look at our lives and say, you know what, I just love everybody. I would say to you, no you don't. You don't love everybody. Because I could put you in situations with certain types of people and I would see your buttons being pushed You know, you know what I'm talking about. But the concept of love that God wants us to have as a follower of Jesus Christ is for us and something in which we model after. It's something in which we want to emulate in our lives. It's something in which we want to follow. And we look at Christ's love, the love that he gave his disciples. You know, and as I think about the disciples, they were people just like you and I. They were just people just like you and I. And I don't think a lot of times when we think of disciples, we don't realize and understand that they were just normal people living normal lives and that God called them to do something with him, to be his followers. And they responded. In the same way that the Spirit of God calls each and every one of us to be his followers, You and I are leading normal lives. You and I are doing the things that we normally do. But God calls us to say, hey, you know, I want you to be my follower. The Spirit of God says to each and every one of us, I want you to be part of who I am. 
In the same way that I have led you to come to know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that your life has been transformed and that you have accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you have experienced personal baptism in terms of understanding what that means in that public testimony part of that, that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. I just want you to love one another as best that you can. And it is in that model that we show the humility that we need to exhibit. And we've talked about before in this chapel what humility means. Humility means in which we have the power to do something, we have the power to say something, to carry something out, but we make the conscious decision not to do that. Does that make sense? Humility does not mean that we are powerless. On the contrary, humility means that we have the strength to do something, we have the strength to respond, we have the strength to react, but we choose not to do so because it is not in our best interest and it is not in the best interest of who we represent, which is Jesus Christ. And so consequently, we choose to show humility. And Christ was an example of that humility. Think about that. He could have gotten himself off that cross, right? He could have had the angels at his beck and call to punish and to decimate everyone that was mistreating him and hurting him. Choose not to do so. And in the same way, when we look to the gospel for leadership, we see the humility, but we also see patience. One of my chaplains that I supervise asked me about a year or so ago, what's the most profound thing that I have ever learned in my ministry and in my life? I told him one word, and that is patience. But I put a caveat on it. I said, I am just now beginning to learn and to understand what patience is. I didn't tell him I had patience. I still don't have patience. But I am beginning to learn and understand what patience is and what patience means. And that's one of the things when we look to the model of Jesus Christ that God wants us to strive for. The whole idea of humility, the whole idea of patience. And then he wants us to strive for the whole idea of exercising forgiveness in our lives. And that's a big one. Forgiveness is something in which we find it very difficult to do. And many times, the reason why we find it so difficult to do is we have the wrong misconceptions of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is when we are in a situation or have been in a relationship, whether it's a past relationship, whether it's an ongoing relationship, where we just need to do three things. And I'll try to remember them, and Lynn will remind me if I forget one. And it is... We need to remember that as we're exercising forgiveness, it is a canceled debt. That we do not exercise the right to get even. And what's the third? And the attitude that you owe me. I knew I was going to forget one of the three. But it's a canceled debt. It's giving up the attitude that you owe me and giving up the attitude that I need to get even. So think about that. Can you do those three things this morning in terms of exercising forgiveness? It's a canceled debt. You give up the perceived right to get even and that you owe me. And if we focus on what forgiveness is, exercising those three concepts you and I, with the power of the Spirit of God in our lives, can exercise forgiveness. Because in essence, that is what forgiveness is. It does not mean that you are pretending that somebody has, that has wronged you is acceptable. 
wrong will always be wrong and will always be unacceptable. It doesn't mean that you are not hurting from what took place. You are hurting. And in that sense, you need to acknowledge the grief of the pain of those events, and you are hurting. It doesn't mean that somehow you're going to be able to forget everything that has happened. No. On the contrary. You're going to remember. But when we think about what this truly is, in terms of the three concepts, the whole idea that it's a canceled debt, that's giving up the perceived right to get even, and that you owe me. When we think of it in those three things, when we apply it not just to others, but to ourselves. I am the type of person where I remember things that I have done wrong. And we're talking a long time ago now. And I still remember those things. And so I have to cut myself some slack. And I want to encourage you to cut yourself some slack in terms of the whole process that you need to be able to forgive yourself as well. And it's not just another thing, other people. It's about forgiving yourself as well. Because when we are doing that, we're truly modeling what Christ has done for us in our lives. What he, what he did for us on the cross was exactly those three things. When he died on the cross for our sins, he exercised the whole concept of a canceled debt, give up the perceived right to get even, and that you owe me. And it is in that model that we find on the cross of Christ that we see the power and forgiveness within our own lives. And as we experience all of these things, as we desire to serve and to follow God, when we go through these steps, then all of a sudden we achieve a level of understanding that we never thought was possible. We achieve a level of insight and the things in which we are doing in our lives. We see spiritually how things in our lives are going. And we see it in such a way that we've never seen it before. It's like all of a sudden light's gone on, all of a sudden we have a clearer vision, and all of a sudden things in our lives that we didn't understand before just begin to make sense. Because then we see how God's will is truly working in our lives. Because many times we just feel, God, are you, are you truly working in my life? doesn't appear to be that way. doesn't seem to be that way. And I would suggest to you that God is working in your life as he's working in my life. And we just need to be able to ask God to give us that spiritual understanding to see that he truly is working in our lives to make us better. And then as we follow this model process of humility and patience and forgiveness and understanding, then we find ourselves with a whole idea of exhibiting compassion to others. Exhibiting that love that God truly wants us to show to each other. And the reason why we are able to do that as I mentioned before, we have the emotional energy now to do that. Because we're not hung up on something else. Those other things that hold us back. The anger, our ego, which is our pride, and all of those kind of things. Those things are not holding us back, and we are able to exhibit and to show that compassion that God wants us to have to one another, to exhibit that true love. And we do those things because as a follower of Jesus Christ, we should be motivated because of that example of Christ's love. Because if you think about your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ, what did Christ do and the power of the Spirit in your lives do? They introduced you to God. They introduced you to God. And in that introduction, you saw that God was motivating 
to have you in that personal relationship with Him. And in that motivation, in that introduction, Christ's love invited you to be a part of His family. You and I are part of God's family. There is a, I don't know how old the saying is, but I've been saying it for a long time. You can pick your friends, but you're stuck with your relatives. And you and I, as being the family of God, we are stuck with one another. And as one of my daughters-in-law says, and when, when we get together, we get along relatively, follow the pun here, we get along relatively well. And I think that's the best we can hope for. But it is in that motivation that we see God's love, once again, understanding that first love. If you remember when you first came to know Christ as your personal Savior and all the bells were dinging and winging and the lights went on and you just felt praising God and you just felt just lifted and a burden was lifted from your shoulders and everything was right with the world. That's exactly how God wants us to exhibit every day of our lives, as though we had first met Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And that's what our motivation is, that's what our motivation should be, to carry out the things that God wants us to do, to love each other. Because those are the things that make us distinctive as being followers of Jesus Christ. Those are the things that set us apart from being and acting as the followers of Jesus Christ. And those are the things that make us attractive to others to want to follow Jesus Christ as we have followed Jesus Christ. Because that is what our true calling is. As followers of Jesus Christ, it gives us an opportunity for us to have the best possible life that we could have in the circumstances in which we find ourselves, but also that we are to attract others so they too would come to know Christ as their personal Savior just like we have. So it is my hope and prayer that as we look at our lives, we look at the application of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our life, that we exhibit the leadership that God wants us to show for ourselves, but also for others, as being His true followers and a true expression and model of Himself in our lives. Amen. Let us take a few moments and prepare our hearts for communion where we have an opportunity to publicly testify to the model in which we want to follow in our lives. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have called us all here this morning to learn more about you. And God, I would just ask that you would forgive me when I have not truly been following the model of your Son, Jesus Christ, for my life. That you would forgive me, Lord, when I've had anger and I've let the sun set on my anger. And I was not exhibiting the righteousness that you want me to have. And consequently, I was not able to love fully and completely the way that you want me to love. And Lord, as we partake of communion we do so because we want to be the person that you want us to be. We want to follow you in all that we do. We want to exhibit that end result of compassion and love that you want us to have for each other. God, forgive us when we don't do those things to allow that to happen in our lives. And we are so thankful that you do forgive us we are so thankful for the opportunity that we can have together to share in the fact that we want to be your follower every day. In Christ's name, amen.
I receive from the Lord, what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Please turn with me in your hymnals to number 414, Softly and Tenderly. just to come and worship you on this day. And Lord, remind us how you want us to have that intimate and complete relationship with you every day. And God, help us through the power of your Spirit to get those things out of the way in our lives so that we can accomplish that. And remind us, God, to take one day 
at a time in our relationship with you. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming.